0: As you see, next week we're diving into a new series on the life of David. This story is going to be amazing. If you know the life of David, you know it's a very known story, but also a very messy story, right? This guy is a really godly guy, but a really goofball, right? This guy messes up all the time. And this is a great opportunity for you to invite friends. I believe we as a church and visitors really connect with David as a guy who's trying to do the right thing, but often Messes up really bad. So, take this opportunity in this series to keep inviting people, keep inviting people and stepping into the life of our church. So, if you're just rolling with us, we've been in a series on families at Sojourn. So, the first week, Law kind of unpacked the two lies we believe as parents. And then last week, you followed up with the, the, the responsibility of a parent in the child's life. You are your primary influence in the spiritual formation of your child. And so know that you do not have to worry about the non-parent student pastor giving you a lecture on parenting today. My, My task today is to answer the question, what is the role of the church in the life of the family? What is the role of the church in the life of the family? As I was diving into studying for this passage, this, this topic, I ran across a tweet from a friend in New York City, and he asked the question to his followers, if you were able to speak into your 14 year old self, what would you tell him? And obviously some of the answers, responses were hilarious. Invest in Amazon, Google and Apple as soon as possible and as much <laughs> as possible. Go to Harvard and room with a dude named Zuckerberg. You wear a medium and not a 2X, or you wear a 2X and not a medium. (laughs) That tattoo will not be cool in a few years. Then it got kind of a little more serious. Responses such as, that boy is not worth your tears. And your parents are doing the best they can. You belong. Your identity is not found in what others think about you. Reach out to somebody about that depression and anxiety. If we're all honest, we have a lot of those similar responses to our 14-year-old self, right? We would speak into that 14-year-old self and, and offer him things you wish you would have been told. And my heart today is not to say, <coughs> what's the right way to reach families as a church? There's plenty of books and plenty of professors and plenty of lectures about that. Our, my heart today is to say, this is our burden, this is our heart for your kids and your family. And my, my heart today is to show you three things, three implications of this text for our church as a family. Three implications from Paul in the book of Ephesians for us as a church and the role of reaching your kids and your family. First, I think we'll see is that we want to provide belonging Provide people and provide truth. If you're a note taker, you're like, this is two weeks in a row with notes in our bulletins. The bar set high for next week. <laughs> Belonging, people, truth. So if you have a Bible and you're willing and able, stand for the reading of Ephesians 6, 1 through 4. If you don't have a Bible, there's one in the back of your chair. It's in your bulletin also on the screen. <clears throat> The word of the Lord. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for it is right. Honor your father and your mother, for which is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and righteousness in the instruction of the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, use you your word this morning to speak into our church. Love us well this morning. Lord, we need conviction, but we need comfort. Use your Holy Spirit through your word this morning. Speak, we ask, O oh Lord. Amen. You may be seated. So belonging, people, and truth. First, we'll see what the belongings. Look at the first verse, first word of chapter 6. It says, Kids children. If you know what the book of Ephesians is, it's a letter to the church at Ephesus. Paul is writing to this church and he's like unpacking one through three of chapters, one through three, kind of our gospel theology. What are we saved from? Who saved us? How are we saved? Then in four through six, he's talking about gospel identity. What does it look like to live united with Christ? What does it look like to live united with the gospel? And so chapter four, he kind of lays out some applications. Chapter five is like that go-to marriage chapter that all the marriage conferences are referencing. Then chapter six, he's, the first word he says, kids. Think about that. The missionary, apostle Paul, the Bible writer, takes time out of his hard labors and his focus on reaching the lost to say, kids. There's a lot of implications there. That means that kids belong. That kids' role matters. That even though this may seem like this adult thing, that kids belong in the church. That doesn't mean they belong in the department of a church. They belong in the body of Christ. If they are suffering or not flourishing, the body is not suffering, it is not flourishing. I think often we think of kids as the, when they go to church, it's like they go to their part of the church. We think that this is adult time. We think of this as an adult organization. And Paul bankrupts that. The kids, belong. We've maybe fostered this as a church, but we believe it sometimes as parents that we just wish our kids would go back so we're not distracted so we can focus ourselves. If you don't do this, you get distracted. If a baby cries or a, or a kid is texting, like we're at the movies, forget this is not your time. This is a Birth to death organization. If you've read stats, stats are weird and they can make you say whatever they want you to think. They can scare you to death and make you do weird things. But a lot of stats are telling you parents that such a percentage of kids are leaving the faith or leaving the church after they graduate high school. And as you a parent, it freaks you out. You want to do whatever possible. But I would argue actually that those stats are skewed because I would argue people who leave the kids who leave the church actually do not leave their church, they leave their parents' church. And when they leave their faith, they leave the faith, they're not leaving their faith, they're leaving their parents' faith. Because they never belonged and they never had identity. And they're longing for this, right? As kids grow up, they're longing for a team or a club or social media to connect with other people. They're longing for belonging. They're longing to say, somebody to tell them, I love you. And what they've done is went everywhere else because the church has told them, go somewhere else. Because this is my time. So even when you bring your kids in here for sojourn worship, is your, is your thought that they just be quiet so you can focus? Or is it that you want them to worship too? They're longing for belonging. We must not fail them. And the two primary ways I think we reach kids with belonging is space and Service. So, we create space as a church like Sojourn Gap. This is a space for worship. And then we have Sojourn Kids and Sojourn Students. And I know space for you is men's study and women's study and community group. These are spaces to connect with one another and connect with God. And this is one of the reasons in a couple, in next week, we're rolling out a new ministry for our fifth and sixth graders called Sojourn 56. They're an 11 o'clock service each week, and they're in the 11 o'clock back in the kids' wing. Fifth graders and sixth graders are going to get together for discipleship and community. Because what we're realizing is they long for belonging. And they're missing it in their specific age. So we want to focus our ministries to reach those kids and find belonging in their lives. But the thing about those spaces is they do not create Relationships. They should provide an environment for it. Because if you go into spaces in our church looking, say, hey, will you provide me a friend? It's not going to work. Because if you know, if you've ever been in church, if you've been in a community group, you've been in church very long, friendships are hard. If you've never had a fight with a sibling, then you haven't had a close relationship with a sibling. If you've never had an awkward moment with somebody in your group, you need to get in a different group because that's normal group life. If you never had an argument with somebody in your group, friendships are hard. And what we tell kids sometimes is that go where your friendships are most easy. Go where the friendships are just look, the friends look just like you. And that's not the Church. We're not after a homogeneous groove that looks alike, thinks alike, and acts alike. Our church is a diverse group. That means our kids are going to be diverse. So when they gather together, it's going to be awkward, it's going to be difficult, and it may take a while, but i tell you what, it makes the gospel look big. On Wednesday nights, when sojourn students walk into our gatherings, it's, it's awkward at times because No, none of these kids go to school together, they don't have really much in common. But when somebody looks at it, it's like, why why are they together? The kid's able to tell them Jesus. Sojourn kids and sojourn students and even our group ministry will not create for you relationships. That's the gospel's job. When the gospel transforms our lives, it transforms our hearts to say, "I love this brother and I love this sister in spite of our differences, in spite that we don't have anything in common." You go, you walk in the Southern students one night, you have kids talking about Pokemon and kids talking about NFL football, and neither, neither of them care about the either. They love one another. That's what makes the gospel beautiful. Space is an environment to foster relationships. It will never manufacture relationships. So, space is is a way we create belonging and service. You know, this as a parent, when you tell your kids to go clean the room, you just don't need labor. You want them to own the house, they have a role. It's a a family unit. So when kids serve here at church, they're owning their church. When kids serve back in Sojourn Kids or they're handing you bulletins or they're passing a basket, they're saying, this is my church. This is where I belong. Because they're owning it. My heart for our kids is they go to their neighborhoods, they go where they play, they go where they swim, they go to their schools and invite kids and their friends to their church. They talk about their small group. They talk about their worship because they belong. I want kids to be commissioned on graduation Sunday when one of the milestones we celebrate as a church when we commission them, we're commissioning from their church. Our heart is to foster belonging in the lives of our kids. But not just belonging, we want to provide people. Look at what Paul's doing here. He's a, he's a non-parent speaking in to a kid's life. He's a non-parent speaking into a kid's life, which means he doesn't necessarily have the authority of a parent, but he sees a need for it. You know this, right? Like when, when somebody, you're going through a marital struggle, you're, you're, you're conflicted or you're arguing about something, and you're convinced that you're right. Maybe you're not as stubborn as I am. But when you're fighting, and then some, all of a sudden somebody speaks into your life, and it clicks, Oh yeah, I'm an idiot. Same thing happens with our kids, right? You can pound the truth every day, all day. Then they go to community group or they go to camp and all of a sudden it clicks for them. And parents have to have the soberness and humility to say, to say someone cool, they think, they think that's cool, <laughs> spoken to their lives. You need that as a family. There's two kind of boxes that families fall into. You can either say, I got this. I can do this on my own. Or you do it for me. And both are bankrupt. Both are bankrupt. You were never meant to do this alone, mom and dad. You were never meant to do parenting outside of community. You need people in your life. And parents... You were never. The church was never created to do it for you. It's a partnership. Our hope in in bringing in recruiting people is to bring another voice, another ear, another life, or bring another voice to speak in, another ear to listen. These kids are talked to all day long. These kids are talked to like. They don't have any space to voice their needs themselves. Want an ear that just listens. When I train our leaders, they know their primary role is to listen. So we want a voice, we want an ear, and we want a life. A life to model. They need to see other people matured in faith that they can see and say, I want to, I want to follow them as they follow Jesus. We're not recruiting, me and Ashley are not recruiting just bodies to fill in the room so the place doesn't burn down. That's one of the reasons. This is not the main reason. We want people to step in to our kiddos' lives that can speak, that can listen, and they can watch. Having lunch with a parent this week is one of the reasons student ministry and kids ministry exist is to be a... a like an objective reality in the life of your kid. Many of you are struggling with, with young kids and saying, Is my kid saved? And the, one of the ways that sojourn kids and sojourn students comes along and, says, and, you're, and a person, a leader in that kid's life says, I think they are. I see the fruit of the Spirit in this kid's life. We're not just looking for people, we're looking for leaders. We're not going to ever be this flashbang ministry with huge budgets and huge aesthetics. That's not who we are. Your kid's never going to zip line to his classroom. (laughs) But here's what I can promise you. We're going to find people that love your kids better than anyone else. And there's no budget line item for that. We're creating people. I don't know what your response to that 14-year-old question was. But for me, I would tell him the next five years are going to be harder than you could ever imagine. Physically, spiritually, socially, relationally, you're going to feel like death. But rescue is coming. And for me, rescue came through names like John Powell and Jason Ware and Stephen Moten. And Chad Davis. And many of you would say when you think about the transformation of your life, you think of people that stepped into your life and spoke truth and modeled the gospel. God's primary changing agent in redemptive history is people. That's what we need. That's that's the main go-to when we find we're trying to transform our kids to the gospel. Try to reach them with the gospel. People. Our hope, our hope is that when they grow up, when they get graduate high school, and they would look back upon their life, they would think of names like Margaret Moran, Brittany Collier, Becca Mason, Amy Usella, Gabe Kelly, and Corey Wren. There's millions of names we can come out with that they've been introducing the gospel to your kids for a very long time. That's our hope. We know the primary changing agent in the life of your family is people. And this people isn't limited to program. We can't put family ministry in this little box. Family ministry is when uh, when the, the kid wants to have the birthday party with the community group. Or when, when there's a party in the front lawn when the kid gets home from Africa. That's family ministry. Or when, when, the, when your grandparent dies and the whole community group goes. That's family ministry. We can't limit it to a box. It's people. Kara Powell in her book, Sticky Faith, it's a book me and Lyle really like. It's not all, it's not gospel, but it's really good. And she uses stats of if when a kid has more than one non-parent in his life, the higher percentage it is for that kid to keep the faith outside of high school. And she actually encourages parents, this isn't law, but I don't think it's unwise, to find five people in your body that would have contact and pray for your kid. She calls it the five to one ratio. Find five adults in this body that would speak in to your life, your kid's life. Maybe it's even, hey, how's your week been? And can commit to praying for them. That's huge. It tells that kid he matters. It tells that kid she matters. Our primary agent of change in the life of our kids is people. But with people, we want to offer truth. Look what Paul does in this passage. He's, when, he, when he says kids, he's assuming they've heard the whole letter of Ephesians. And if you've ever read Ephesians, we went through the book of Ephesians a couple years ago. But if you've ever read Ephesians, it's not a shallow book. It's a dense book. And he's assuming these kids have heard it. Them obeying their parents is an application of them being raised from death to life in Ephesians chapter 2. And somewhere along the line, we've lowered the bar for our kids. We've watered the message down. We think they can't handle it. I think that's False doesn't mean we, we apply it, we make it accessible to them. doesn't mean we put it in their world. That's called discipleship. We don't water it down. If you've ever served in the Sojourn Kids and you've read the lesson a week ahead of time, you're like, I got to learn some stuff. <laughs> Every time I teach back there in Sojourn Kids, some kid ruins my punchline. Because <laughs> they get it. And we're terrified of our kids being bored. Why my kids got to go to the auditorium? They're just gonna be bored in there. If you've never been bored in here, you've reached a level of Christianity I haven't reached yet. <laughs> if you ever, if you ever, invited a friend that doesn't believe in Jesus, they've probably told you y'all are some weird, boring people. Boredom is not a kid thing; it's a people thing. We can't entertain our kids enough that they love Jesus. The gospel will never be cool in their hearts and God until God makes it cool in their hearts. We must, we must realize that. Yeah, they may roll up in here and they may play on their phone the entire service, but they're absorbing whether you know it or not. What's that country song that when they, when they, she t- he talks about he cusses when he drops the fries and then he, when he prays at the end of the day, he sees his kid praying because he's modeling after his dad. They may feel like, they may look like they're bored, they're watching their mom and dad. We cannot water down the truth for our kids. There's too much to risk because you know and I know. That we have truths we wish we'd have known, we wish somebody would have taught us about before you had those scars. Truths like that would make sense of your parents' divorce, truths that, that would make sense of your family member getting cancer, truths that make sense of that breakup. We all wish somebody had taught us about a gospel that frees us from shame and guilt in our teenage years, right? Because they're riddled with hiding. for me, I mean, as I watched at 16 years old, as I watched my best friend die, I wish somebody had pounded in my heart, the king of the universe is reigning and ruling. He's working everything for your good but nobody did. And I bailed. We cannot water this message down. They need too much. And and this, this truth that we're trying to offer our kids, it's trying to set you up as heroes. So Ashley and I both set up our curriculum and our schedule to make you look like Heroes. When you pick up your kid, you're supposed to pick up a card <laughs> a card that talks about the content they talked about that day. Sojourn students aligns its content with the calendar of Sojourn Gathered. So we're about to jump in the life of David as a church. Sojourn students is about to jump into the life of David. So when you're learning as parents about the life of David in here, then you're going to community group and learning about the life of David there. And you pick up your kid on Wednesday night. You ask him what what the life of David is about. And I get it. Like when you pick up your kid from Sojourn Kids, he's gonna like, how was Sojourn Kids? What did you learn? I learned about um, David killing Samson. Like close. That's like almost there. And you pick up your middle schooler, like how was... So your students. Fine. What'd you learn about? Nothing. I, I get that. But keep trekking. As Lyle talked about that, that week, once a week, finding time with your kids to talk about Jesus. We want to set you up as heroes. Put it on the tee and let you hit a home run. That's one way we're trying to partner with you as Parents. They don't need just truth from us, they need truth from you. Let's not let them down. So as a church, we want to provide belonging people and truth. Students, I know you're in here. You can put up your phones for a second. (laughs) We love you. We're here for you. You belong here. This is your church. It's not your parents' church. Maybe you're here and you haven't come and hang out on Wednesday night. Maybe you did, and it was like the weirdest, awkward thing you've ever experienced, and you left, and you never came back. Mask is give us a chance. I can't promise you it's not gonna be awkward, but I'm just trying to give you practice for the rest of your life. <laughs> <laughs> but give us a chance. Give us a chance. Spend three to four weeks with us, and I promise that you will find no people that love you better, no leaders that love you more. We love you. Parents, we're here for you. We're with you, we're praying for you, we love you. You're not alone, I promise. You're not in a box. Maybe you're here and your parent, your your heart is to to make your kid love Jesus and your heart is to help your kid belong in this church, but yet you haven't belonged yet. Our heart is for you, your first step in the discipleship of your kids is for you to belong here at this church. Step into a group or step into service, the spaces in which our church is provided. Because if you never belong, your kid won't either. and your kids will follow. And realize the partnership in what you have. When you go to Sojourn Kids and pick up your kid and you hand that sticker, it's kind of like a passing of the baton. That, That person in that room is not just making sure your kid doesn't die. They're loving them. They're serving them. They're praying for them. A partnership. It may be an hour of a week, but that hour is important. We spend a lot of time focusing on that hour. We're not, gonna, we're not acting like we got it all together. We're not acting like we're a perfect church. We're going to make mistakes and we're going to maybe frustrate you one day. But give us grace the grace that you hope your kids give you one day. Church, for us, it starts with a burden. Every Easter, we have several visitors roll up in our church, hundreds of visitors, many who do not know Jesus. And we have an excess of servants on those Sundays. Last year, we had more servants than we needed, and it was the biggest service we've ever had. Why is that? Because I would argue that we have a burden for a mission. a burden that lost people and visitors are walking in our church and we want to reach them friends every week every week we have 200 plus kids not including the kids that are in this room rolling in our church many many and most do not know Jesus have not professed Christ as their Savior Last week alone, we had 134 students and in, kids in one service. Many of those kids have yet to profess faith. Guys, we can plant churches and we can send missionaries, but we are fools to call ourselves missionals, missional church if we're not reaching those kids. Our kids are the closest lostness to us today and we cannot feel them. Let this burden grip you that they have most of which have yet to face Jesus and we have to reach them. Maybe your burden stems out of remembering of your childhood. You remember wish you, what you wish you would have had. You see the scars in your heart that nobody protected you from. You remember the teenage years of heartbreak. You remember going through that divorce with your family. Let that heartbreak for your former self transform into service for our kids. We must step in. This is not a program affair. This is not a department need there's no such thing as too many servants for 134 kids. We need all hands on deck. Even when I was thinking about this auditorium, we're about to redo it in the next 12 months. because we don't have room for our kids in this room. Will we make space for them? Will we step in? If you want to know what it looks like to step in, talk to me or Ashley or fill out a connect card. This is an all hands-on-deck mission. And finally, pray. Pray for our kids. Imagine the amount of prayers that landed for you on the throne of grace for your salvation. Grandparents and parents and pastors and youth leaders and kids directors that prayed that you would know Jesus. And what if we've a body as a body own that and says, we're gonna pray that the Lord saves our kids. Let's pray. In World War II, there's a guy from Britain named um, Sir Nicholas Winston. Sir, I wish my first name was Sir. Um, this is his name. This is he was a humanitarian from Britain. They call him the English Schindler. During World War II, Sir Nicholas Winston was known for saving up to 669 kids from the Holocaust, most of which their parents died in concentration camps, but he told nobody about it. And one day his wife found a huge book that was full of the names of the kids he saved, Pictures Two. And she found this book and she organized this event. In the event, he had no idea what he's walking into. He's sitting on the front row. He's getting VIP status. He has no idea what's going on. Then he realizes every kid in the room is a kid he saved. That's our hope, isn't it? That one day in heaven, surrounded by clouds of witnesses, we would see faces that we introduced to the gospel here at Sojourn Community Church. I would argue the most radical thing we can do against the kingdom of darkness is to step into our kids' lives. We can't guarantee that they become followers of Jesus. We can't guarantee they graduate loving Jesus. But here's what we can guarantee they leave knowing we love them. Let it be so with us, it's too much at risk. Let's pray.